are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Eagles podcast. It's your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Friday edition of the show. It's episode four this week of five episodes downloaded into your phone when you subscribe to LOE on any podcast platform. It can be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, you name it. We are available on all platforms. Coming up on today's edition of the show, the Eagles were busy at work today. Howie Roseman continuing his normal salary cap strategy of kicking the can down the road in the form of Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, and Darius Slay all will be back for the 2021 season. We thought Jason Kelsey might retire, but he is going to come back for 2021 on a one-year deal worth up to $12 million, $9 million of which is guaranteed. And then the Eagles are backloading contracts of right tackle Lane Johnson, who restructured his deal. So more guaranteed money up front, salary cap hit increases down the road, but it gives you some cap relief in 2021. And the same thing with cornerback Darius Slay. So those two restructures will create upwards of $10 plus million in salary cap space to spend this year. And then the Jason Kelsey deal will help in that way as well. So the Eagles kicking the can down the road for some veterans that they plan on still keeping through this rebuild. More so Lane Johnson and Darius Slay long-term, Jason Kelsey for at least one year. Joining me to get into these decisions as well as how this could maybe hint at what the Eagles plan to do in a couple weeks here at the start of the NFL free agency period. I'm joined by my good friend from CBS NFL reporter Jeff Kerr. Jeff, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on the show. It's been a long time, but uh, excited to talk to you again about the birds. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Lou. It's been an interesting offseason for the Eagles so far. It's, I feel like they're not doing anything, but they're doing a lot. It, it's just mm-hmm. a lot of... Um, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. It's a lot of the scenes stuff that they need to do under the cap before we can actually talk about free agency with this team. You saw some of that come to fruition today, Jeff, with the restructures of Lane Johnson and Darius Slade, Jason Kelsey coming back on a one-year deal worth $9 million, upwards of $12 million could be in that deal, but $9 million of which is guaranteed. So they're kind of back kicking the can down the road. And in this situation, I saw you tweet about it earlier today. I think it is the right call, and you made the point as of why because of what the future salary caps could look like as opposed to what 2021's number is yeah exactly everybody thinks it's going to stay at 180 185 million in 2022 that's just not the case it's always going up at least 13 to 15 dollars each year on average so it's going to go up again and while i'm hearing the new nfl tv deals are coming i think everything's just getting finalized at this point like i'm not even sure like on our end like i know we're getting the nfl back you know who knows what the financial terms are or anything like that. But yeah, that's from what I'm hearing. Obviously you'll get a little bit of boost in the salary cap there, but that's going to go more towards 2022. Eagles will be in great shape considering that projected to be 70 million under the cap going in the next year. Yeah. And that's the thing, Jeff, I don't know. They're rebuilding right now, but that doesn't mean to me you get rid of every talented veteran that's 28 years or older. I mean, rebuilds in the NFL, they're not like the NBA or the NHL. They shouldn't take five plus years where these veterans 
can't help with the rebuild in a couple years. I still think Lane Johnson in a couple years is still going to be a top tier tackle. And I still think, although Darius Slay wasn't elite last year, he was still probably the best cornerback you've had since Asante Samuel and Jason Kelsey can still help for a year or two or however long he wants to play. So I, I look at specifically Johnson and Kelsey and looking at that offensive line. Yeah, they're not young guys, but having an offensive line that good is going to be crucial for the rebuild to its most important part, the development of that next quarterback. I don't know if that's going to be Jalen Hurts, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, you name it, whoever it is, but that's crucial in a rebuild. So having those veterans is still key, in my opinion. Yeah, you just uh, read right into my next point, Luke. Whoever the quarterback is going to be on this football team, whether it's Jalen Hurts, Zach Wilson, you know, as you said, Trey Lance, whoever, you're going to need to be protected. Why would you want to get rid of Luke Johnson? Why would you want Jason Kelsey to retire? That does not help your football team because then you got to move Isaac Samal around. And then you're in a Jason Pierce situation again where you're signing some better offensive linemen to fill gaps. Well, mm-hmm. that hasn't worked for them the last couple of years. doesn't matter the age. And the Eagles always like to build between the trenches. That's why I tell people about Derek Barnett. I know a lot of people want to know what they're going to do with him and yeah. that $10 million salary. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. The Eagles pass rush was actually really good last year. Why would you want to – disrupt that i think they'll work on an extension with Derek barnett maybe restructure that 10 million dollar deal but i don't think it's they're just going to get rid of him and cut bait that that just doesn't make sense so jeff let's switch the side of the field here talked about lane johnson a little bit and jason kelsey on defense did you think i mean because obviously they traded multiple picks for darius say last year and they gave him that contract extension but with this rebuild there was talks that maybe they'd look into trading slay did you think they could do that? Were you surprised they restructured him here? I mean, again, I don't think he was elite last year. He struggled against some top receivers like, you know, DK Metcalf. But at the same time, I still think, considering what you've had at cornerback the last decade, he's probably the best you've had since Asante. Yeah, I was concerned what they were going to do with him. I, looking at his contract, I think they were actually going to get rid of him unless they did trade him. But at the same time, I don't think you're getting the, the value back for Darius Slay as you did when you paid to get him a third and a fifth. You're probably only going to get about, at best, and I'm being really optimistic here, a fourth for Darius Slay. Right. I just don't think they wanted to do that. I think having a 29, soon to be 30-year-old Darius Slay is a lot better than some rookie cornerback who's just going to throw him to the fire. And everything I've heard about Don Gannon is he is a cornerback whiz. He is a safety whiz. And I think mm-hmm. that's really going to help Darius Slay over the, the next couple of years. Why not keep a guy like him in the mix of this rebuild, especially when he likes to be here. Exactly. And I still think, Jeff, though, this doesn't mean you're done at cornerback. You look at Avante Maddox, that was a complete flop on the outside in 2020. They definitely still need help at CB2, and I think desperately. I don't know if that's going to be through free agency or through the first or second round. Maybe it's Asante Samuel Jr. in round two, but... You know, Darius Slay, keeping him does not mean that you got to stop your cornerback. They need multiple bodies on the field in 2021 to improve, I think, that position group. Yeah, exactly. And say they draft Patrick Sertan at six. I don't think right. that's going to be the pick, but if they draft him, you can't be upset with that. Even if you trade down and you get a guy like Caleb Farr, I don't think that's a terrible move either for them. I don't either. This is what, this is what I keep hearing about this shit, though. There, it's about 12 to 15 players that are just top-end, high-level talent. And then the rest of them are just bad. Like if you have a middle, if you have like a mid first round pick, you're probably better off training down and getting a bunch of picks sure. because there just isn't the, the, the talent there. Like the Eagles had last year when they were in a situation uh, to draft Jalen Rager. It's just not there. Like you're not going to find a Justin Jefferson type receiver that low in the draft. The Eagles are in the gold mine at six right now. And if you trade down, you trade down for a team that's so desperate to draft the quarterback that will give you a bunch of picks. But 
at six, I mean, we're seriously looking at Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, a quarterback even. It's You're in a gold mine right now, and I, I honestly would not be upset if they just stayed at six. Yeah, man, look, I don't like being this bad. I don't like picking sixth overall. I don't want to do it again next year and consistently like some of these teams do. But yeah, there's a lot of incredible top-tier talent this year, regardless if you go quarterback or if you want to build around Jalen Hurts, pick your poison at receiver, at corner. There's some insane talent. But Jeff, before the draft, they still got work to do through free agency coming up. But also, again, they started today by restructuring and getting to that cap floor by restructuring Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Darius Slay. They still have other moves, though, they need to make to get under the salary cap. What do you think those cap moves are? You mentioned Derek Barnett. Do you think maybe they trade him, extend him to lower that cap hit, or you know cut him right now because they're not keeping him on that fifth-year option that's worth $10 million, and then maybe you trade Zach Ertz? Like, what are the next moves here from Howie Roseman to get down to the cap floor? If I was the Eagles, I would extend Derek Barnett, but you have a... I, look, I'm not a cap genius here, but I think you yeah. give him about a two or three year deal and kind of spread out that money. Like you can give him a three year, $30 million deal, still averaging that, but the cap hit isn't as big sure. in 2021. And again, you're eliminating cap space by that. It's almost like the old Howie Rosen philosophy. Let's make, let's not make tomorrow's problems today. Or I, I forget the old saying, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, it, 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 yeah, it's just, you're, you're pushing it back. And, they can afford to do that because of all the cap space they have. And look, Derek Barnett is a young player. He's only 25 years old. This isn't going to be uh, a situation where he's going to just flop. It, did Derek Barnett live up to his first-round draft ass? Probably not, but it's not mm-hmm. like he's a bad football player. Right, either. high like, floor, you, low ceiling, right, Jeff? Like high floor, low ceiling and, player? Exactly, and I thought he was very solid last year for them. Look, he got to the quarterback. He, he got pressures on the quarterback. He got hurries. And I, I really like the combination of him, Josh Webb, and Brandon Graham for yeah. 2021. And possibly beyond. And, you know, you know, we were mentioning Derek Barnett. Uh, obviously, Malik Jackson's not going to be here. Uh, they restructured his contract. They're, you know, they'll find a way to get rid of right. him and make him post June 1st cut. The guy, I think, is going to be an easy cut. And it's funny because it, he never played it down with them as Marquise Goodwin. Yeah, right. That'll clear up a good amount of cap space if you get rid of him as well. And real quick, back to Barnett. I, again, I think he's like a high floor, low ceiling player. Somebody you're always going to be looking for that upgrade, Right which I think could be Josh Sweat. So if you have Sweat and Brandon Graham, those are two top-tier, I think, pass rushers when it comes to efficiency. Derek Barnett is that third guy rotating through is great. You just, again, you don't want him to have that big cap hit. So I think, I agree with you, Jeff. I think you extend him on a, not a deal that breaks the bank, and then you continue to look for pass rushers that are better than him. Uh, Going to Zach Ertz, is this a thing where you could get some picks for him? Are you going to get anything out of him, or does the league know that you're going to probably move on anyway, so you have no leverage and you might have to just part ways through releasing him. I think the league knows that the Eagles are looking to move on from Zach Hurts. Uh, I think that's been pretty much known since about September at this point. Yeah. Um, and look, I would love Zach Hurts to be here during the rebuild, but here's the problem. The guy's making, I think it's like $8.2 million in base salary this year, mm-hmm. and you can save almost $5 million by cutting him. So you might as well do that now. If and at least give him an opportunity to pick where he wants to go. Up, uh, cough, cough, Indianapolis. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's funny, though, because I'm not crazy about Dallas Goddard, but I want to see what he can do as a number one tight end. I still think Dallas Goddard is going to be uh, a great uh, – I shouldn't say a great player, a, a good player. Yeah. But do you imagine if the Eagles do what I think would be a smart move in draft Kyle Pitts 
and put him to Dallas Goddard, how dangerous they would be yeah. running 12 personnel. Uh, with, with a quarterback that seems to actually kind of like throwing to the tight end when he gets the opportunity. Last year, I don't think he had that. I just don't think Zach Ertz was effective at all last year. And everybody's so upset about the Eagles possibly severing ties with Zach Ertz. I'm like, he was 30 years old and had a career worst year. Like, this is what happened. <laughs> this is why you got rid of Carson Wentz, honestly. Yeah, you had no leverage, Jeff, based on – Again, you're buying a team would be buying low because he had his career worst year by far in 2020. Not to mention, you already knew the Eagles did not want to pay him long term because of the presence of Dallas Goddard. So I would take anything at this point if you could get Ertz through in a trade. But it reminds me more of like the Malcolm Jenkins situation where you're going to just have to part ways and, um, you know, let him move on and pick the team he wants to go to. Today's edition of Locked On Eagles is sponsored by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website site or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. Let's talk free agency. Jeff, this team doesn't have much to spend, but we talked about kicking the can down the road here, that strategy and how it applied to Lane Johnson and Darius Slay and, you know, Jason Kelsey, that one-year deal kind of helps you free up some space. Couldn't you, again, people are saying, like, you can't sign anybody. It's all about who the Eagles are getting rid of, not who they're acquiring, but couldn't that kicking the can down the road strategy apply here? Like, couldn't you hypothetically sign a younger free agent to a backloaded deal with upfront guaranteed money? I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, you don't have the money to spend on Allen Robinson, but, you know, I think... Somebody like Curtis Samuel would be a perfect fit. Right now, Track has him averaging probably $12 million a year in this next deal. But like, couldn't you try that same strategy with a younger player? And wouldn't it make more sense? Because by the time you get to those high cap hits, he's still going to be in his prime. I don't know how you mentioned this because Howie Roseman did this in 2016 with Brandon Brooks and Rodney McClaw. Mm-hmm. The Eagles had cap space then. But it wasn't like it was breaking the bank cap space. But right. They knew they needed a guard. They went out and got a guy that fit. And this was... Honestly, 2016 and 2017 were by far Howie Roseman's best years. Like, oh, it seemed like every it. move, yeah, yeah ev- every move he made was perfect for them. Like, everybody gets on him for they always McCall. Like, guys, it was a one year. It was like a two year deal. Like, calm <laughs> down. What about Brandon? What about Brandon Brooks? What about Rodney McLeod? What about those guys? Like, you signed them to five year deals, basically. And look, and they got what the market says they were going to get. Brandon Brooks was incredibly, incredibly cheap for what the Eagles ended up paying for a free mm-hmm. agent guard who actually started. The only downside to the Brooks thing was we didn't know about the anxiety issues he was facing, even though he kind of had an ordeal with the Texans there, but no one ever thought it was a big deal. And look, it's, you know, it, it actually turned out the Eagles helped him. So, and same with Rodney McLeod. I always thought Rodney McLeod was very underrated when he was with the Rams and yeah. Eagles were able to get him. You know, you put him in Jim Schwartz's system, ended up working really well for them. And you know, it, it was the same thing. Like, I don't think they had a ton of cap space in 2017, but I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but you were able to sign, you know, good free agents like Patrick Robinson and Crystal. There's no reason why you can't get players mm-hmm. of that caliber. And again, I think the Eagles need to go back to what you said, Lou, Curtis Samuel, guys that are entering their second contract that can actually provide value yep. for you for about two to three years. It's perfect for a rebuild. And if you want an opportunity to play, Philadelphia is it. I agree, and I think Samuel would be the perfect fit in Sirianni's offense, and that's the style, again, Jeff, like, even when this team does have cap space, 
They don't really target that tier one free agent. They don't look to break the bank on an Allen Robinson, although I would love him in this offense and in that receiver room. But yeah, like you said, Ronnie McLeod, he was seen as a tier two, tier three free agent. Same with Brandon Brooks and, you know, Chris Long the next year, Patrick Robinson, Elshon Jeffrey. Then when you, you know, LeGarrette Blunt, you trade for Jay Ajayi. You went for those, the, the market inefficiencies. You went for the players that, you know, are veterans and are proven, but you didn't have to break the bank for. And I feel like, you know, again, you don't have a ton of cap space this year. You have none really at the moment, but that doesn't mean you can't find a way to bring in players like a Curtis Samuel who, you you know, you don't sign a 35-year-old and backload his contract, but for a kid, like you said, that's heading into a second year and or second contract, and he is not going to be a top-tier free agent, I think that's a realistic player. Somebody like Curtis Samuel, I don't know, does anybody else come to mind for you when it comes to the free agent pool right now on offense or defense? I know I've heard Malik Hooker that's kind of tossed around at safety from the Colts. Uh, anybody else that you think of the Eagles might be interested in? You know, I honestly feel this would be a very interesting move for them. I'm not actually sure it would happen. What about a guy like T.Y. Hilton? Yeah. That would be very interesting. I mean, look, I know he's 30. I think he's 32. I, I, I don't have yeah. to get to He's in his early 30s. Early 30s, but, yeah. Yeah, but still, he's familiar with the type of offense Sirianni likes to run. And again, Sirianni was his offense coordinator for a number of years, and he was wide receivers coach. So you know he can get the best out of them. Uh, Aaron Moorhead, he has some familiarity with. I, I just feel like that would be a guy that, you know, unless he's really looking to say in Indiana, would you go in or, or Baltimore? Again, he, but he is one of those type two free agents. He's kind of yep. like a curse hammer. And I, I don't think you have to break the bank to get a T.Y. Hilton, but say you want to get him on a one-year, like, eight, nine million dollar deal, I don't think that's terrible for them. It's a veteran leader on a young team. It's a guy Nick Sirianni is comfortable with, and honestly, he helps you whatever your quarterback is. And Jeff, you shouldn't be scared of 31, 32-year-old free agents just because you're rebuilding. Again, I think there's a place for that player still. I think, yeah, the Eagles have a long way to go, but you look at where they were 2015, it was kind of a similar situation. It felt like this team had a long way to go, and they did, but they won a championship two years later. And why is that? Because the rebuild excels very quickly when you find the quarterback. So if Jalen Hurts is that player, if Zach Wilson is that player, or Justin Fields or Trey Lance, suddenly that really accelerates this rebuild, and a guy like T.Y. Hilton, or in 2017, an Sean Jeffrey or Torrey Smith, or you know Chris Long on defense, that player, or LeGarrette Blunt, they become way more valuable. Yeah, if you don't plan on contending for five-plus years, you don't sign T.Y. Hilton, but I just I don't think that's going to be the case because the NFL, it's just it's not like the NBA where... You know, teams take a decade plus to get it right. Yeah, exactly. And you know, we were talking about like these tier two guys. Yeah. And look, I'm not, I'm not saying you know he's a great player by any means. But what about Shard Higgins? What about Sammy sure. Watkins? Like guys that are, I mean, Sammy Watkins is entering his third contract at this point, but Shard Higgins isn't. He's another guy. I mean, AJ Green. It's like you said. You know, these 32 year olds. You can't be scared of these guys. If you sign the short deal short-term deals and they can Mm -hmm. perform why not why not take a chance on them and i'm gonna tell you something lou as a 31 year old yeah i will say this about my body (laughs) yeah it takes a little longer to heal because i run nine miles a day it takes a little longer to heal but as long as you take care of it you're still going to perform at the top level well and jeff they're not like core and then the other thing is you're not building this team around that kind of player ty hilton would be a complimentary piece that's what your free agent groups were back in 2016 and 2017 as well like your core wasn't those older players so that's why i'm okay signing these kind of free agents because this isn't a free agent class that's going to 
build who you are. You still have to do that through the draft and who your quarterback is. So you can complement that still with veteran free agents. And like Sammy Watkins is another great idea. You know, he's still what only 28 years old and yeah, he's entering his third contract, but that's a really buy low deal on a talented guy. I mean, he never stays healthy, but like that makes sense to me. That is kind of what Howie Roseman liked to do back when they won the Super Bowl. Well, this is what would frustrate me too. I'm a really big fan of Marvin Jones and I know he's benefited from having another receiver opposite of him, but he's the only wide receiver in the NFL to have nine-plus touchdowns in each of the last two years. And I could hear Eagles fans just completely flip out if they would pay a 30-year-old Marvin Jones, you know, a three-year, $30 million deal. But is he terrible? You need a red zone target. And yep. we know Jalen Hurts likes to throw the receiver. He's basically – you're basically replacing Alshon Jeffrey with a little bit of a better player, essentially. Sure. But, you know, as you know, as I know, Lou, this fan base seems to flip out over every single move or every yeah. single thing you tweet these days. yep no it's true and i mean again it's hard to blame them considering what the eagles have put us through the last couple months but i I do agree right now i don't blame them on it I don't blame yeah. him, honestly. I wouldn't, tr- I wouldn't trust Allie Rosen with my life. But, but yeah, tensions know, he, are high right now, man. Tensions are they're really high on Eagles Twitter. But, you know, again, again, I do think it's fair. Ladies and gentlemen, today's edition of Locked On Eagles is sponsored by rockauto.com. One reason to repair and to maintain your car is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do it yourselfers rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're always reliably low head over to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and even new carpet make sure you write down locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Let's let's move on before I let you go. I want to talk about some of these NFL rule changes that could be coming up here soon. Um, the Eagles have led the charge on a couple that I talked about on the podcast on Wednesday. The one helmet rule changing so you can possibly bring back Kelly Green jerseys and the onside alternative where the Eagles say instead of kicking an onside kick, you can have a fourth and 15 to potentially get the ball back. Do you think any of these rule changes that the birds are proposing could maybe get passed this year? I feel like the Kelly green thing is going to happen. I, I hope so, man. They've been know, trying at this for like four years. <laughs> I, I, it's so frustrating too, because I'm a huge Kelly green fan. I know you are. You know, yeah. You, you and I talked about this. You know, we did. That whole Mike Mitchell, Sean McCoy game in 2010. That's just, that's my favorite. Loss it's still my wallpaper, Jeff. It's still my wallpaper. My wallpaper is Vic and McCoy from that game. I don't, I, I told some players this that that played for that team. I'm like, you guys know, like I have a bunch of photos of you guys wearing that jersey. They're like, oh man, that jersey was so sick. You know, yeah, we should wear that more. I'm like, I I know. Look, I don't know if you ever heard this story. The Eagles were actually trying to get that game to be played at Franklin Field because really, I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they actually, like, petitioned it to the NFL, but I don't think Franklin Field had, like, the safety barriers, like, right. to do it. And the Eagles were going to pay for it. But, man, that would have been oh so gosh, cool. You know, that little throw, a little throwback story there. But, yeah, I actually think the one-shell rule is going to get passed because, look, the NFL cares about one thing, money. And yep. guys like you, guys like me, everybody around the world is going to buy a throwback jersey. Or something. It's a revenue yeah, goldmine, Jeff. It, it literally is. Like, I know in Denver, one of their most popular jerseys is actually – their quote-unquote color rush yeah. because it actually looks like their old throwback jersey and they kind of just took the sticker off the navy blue helmet and put a mm-hmm. d there I, I mean but they can bring the light blue one back 
You're set. I mean, look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's been dying for those creamsicle jerseys. Tom mm-hmm. Brady and them, people will eat them up no matter what. And I think the Rams are kind of reserving that, too, because apparently they're doing, like, the NBA thing where they release a new alternate jersey every year. And yeah. from what I'm hearing, like, one of them is going to be a legit throwback, but, they, you know, they got to get the one shell rule approved for to be able to do that. So, yeah, yeah, the NFL is just yeah. so behind Jeff when it comes to jerseys, and it's because of, I mean, this helmet rule, and it, it really doesn't even make much sense. Like, I know it has to do with concussions, I guess, but why at the beginning of the season when you fit somebody for one helmet, you don't do two? Like, when you trade for a player, they don't keep their helmet from the other team. They get a new helmet. Why can't you do that at the start of the season? And then you make millions more money in revenue. What's crazy is they were the forefront of the whole throwback jersey thing in the early, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Like in 94, it, for the 75th anniversary, every team had a throwback jersey. The Eagles wore throwback jerseys from 1947, but everybody right. seems to forget it because they only wore one game. But it was so cool seeing Randall Cunningham wearing, you know, something that Tommy Thompson yeah. and Steve Van Buren wore. And they got to change the helmet and everything. Green Bay wore, that was like their first incarnation of the current Acton Packer uniform they have now. But, even in the early, like, 2000, I used to get so mad at the Eagles. I'm like, come on, New England's doing it. Yep. Dallas is doing it. Everybody's doing it. And then they're <laughs> like, well, and they're like, well, the Eagles got to play a Thanksgiving Day game. I'm like, the Eagles still wouldn't do it then. They, they, Jeffrey Lurie just had this thing against Kelly Green for the longest time. And now it's finally yeah. at the forefront of the movement. <laughs> they can't get it. It's so frustrating. I, I, you know, as someone who grew up watching all that stuff, and the, the throwback jersey games are honestly the best. Like, when the oh, AFL yeah. had their 50th, when the AFL celebrated their 50th year in 2010, that was the absolute best because Denver wore those throwbacks. The Chargers got to wear their throwbacks. And they wore it for like four or five games. Like the Chiefs even had throwback jerseys. The Chiefs, they, they wore Dallas Texans jerseys. Yeah. It was, it was just such a fun time. And the NFL needs to bring that back. Also, I do think the NFL is eventually going to cater on this 415 thing based on what Roger Goodell said. I was on a conference call in October and he said, look, we are seriously considering this. We're looking at everything. And, you know, 12.5% of fourth and 15s were converted. Only 4.5% of onside kicks were converted. I like the onside kick because, look, I, I played special teams in high school. I played defense. You know, if I played football in college, that would be my thing, special teams, and that would you know, keep me employed, essentially. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just better this way. Everybody goes, oh, the, F, the officials are screwed up with penalties. I'm like, guys, they'll work it out. They'll work it out. They always work it out. And who cares if the game is determined? They're determined by penalties anyway. Um, real quick, going back to the jerseys, are you – so? I agree. I think this is going to get passed. Jeffrey Lurie's been pushing for this multiple helmet rule for years now. But when it does come to fruition, are you, Jeff, more so Kelly Green as the alternate? Or are you saying you want Kelly Green over midnight jerseys, midnight green jerseys eventually as the main uniform? Like, what do you do? What do you want when they bring back Kelly Green? Right now, I'm ready for it to be the alternate. But Fair. Yeah. I would look, I really would like the Eagles to go back to that as their mm-hmm. permanent color. But again, the majority of my life, they've been midnight green. Like, 96 Same. is the yeah. they switched. And I was eight years old at the time. So, yeah, I, and look, I really do like their midnight green jerseys. I, I You know, jerseys I actually don't like? The back and black ones. I, I, I used agree. to love them. Yeah, I used to love them when they came out. It was sick. But that was the thing. Like, everybody was going black in the 2000s. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is really cool with the green helmet. And then they did the white pants. And they did the midnight uh, well, green Well, Jeff, pants. that was my problem is I don't like that now they only do black on black. If you're going to use that jersey, give me the green pants 
or the white, even the white pants they wore in like 2009 and 2010, they only do black on black now. Yeah, this was before like you kind of knew what uniform they were going to wear. I saw them play the 49ers in 2003 and they came out in the black jersey. Like we knew they were going to wear the black jerseys that week. So we're like, oh, cool, we're going to see a game in the black jersey. And they yeah. come out, but they didn't see that, you know, we thought it was going to be the white pants again. And they come out with the midnight green pants. I'm like, oh my God, this is, yeah. this is awesome. They got to keep, but I think they lost both games. They actually did that. So I, I think that's like their hex. Honestly, I would love to see them wear the green, midnight green pants with their green jersey. I know you and I have talked about this before. I'm in on that. Get yep. creative. Eagles fans, get creative. I remember in London, they, they screwed up the uniform thing where it was, they put the black oh, yeah. pants with their oh, white the mannequin. Jersey. Yeah, like, it was oh white god. on black. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, just do this just for once. Stop. And I remember, it, I think it was Alex Smith at the time when he worked for the Eagles. He used to come, you know, complain to fans. But I'm like, dude, Alex, like your franchise has no creativity. None. whatsoever when it comes to uniforms. Please be like that team that is 120 miles south of you. The Baltimore Ravens, they have so many creative jersey combinations. Mm-hmm. It keeps it fresh. It keeps it, I love seeing Lamar Jackson wear you know, the black pants with, with the purple jersey or you know, when they do the all-purple look or the all-black look. They or, even tried you know, yellow the, pants one time. <laughs> yeah, they even tried yellow pants. They try everything. It's, yeah. We don't do anything like that. Like, it's so frustrating. Like if they go Kelly green, I really want them to be as creative as they can. All Kelly green, Kelly green and black, Kelly green, bring back the gray pants. Even that, that is the other staple that bothers me. The Eagles always wore gray pants for the entirety of their franchise existence. And Jeffrey Lurie just came in and took it all away from us. I know. I know. So hopefully we get Kelly green back. And even if they don't, Jeff, I'm with you. Just be more creative in your Jersey combinations. Last thing for you. I saw this from, I think pro football talk the other day that the Baltimore Ravens propose an overtime alternative where one team decides where the football is, where it starts on the field. So they could say it's starting on the opposing 20 and then the other team decides if they want the ball or not. Do you like that alternative in overtime or like, what's your take on right now? What overtime in the NFL should look like? I personally wish they would just do college style, but I like what Baltimore kind of proposed there. I think it's a good idea. I think Baltimore should just make up all the NFL rules. I, agree. <laughs> I, mean, honestly, I, I feel like every time they propose something, it gets passed and it makes the game funner. I, they've done this now for at least the last 15 or 20 years. I don't know what goes on um, in that ownership group over there, but <laughs> they always come up with these really neat ideas. I don't know if we'll get passed right away. I think eventually we'll get passed. Well, I'm like you, Lou. Like, I love the college overtime rule where you start the 25 and you, yeah, score, so and then you, you have to go for two after three overtime. The only difference is in the NFL, I think you should have to go for two after the first time you score. I, I think that would make it more fun because that, that way the game doesn't drag along. But you, I think it's the drama of the college overtime that gets me. And I, you know, it was funny. Like I, when, in high school, when I play, I don't know how it is in New York, but yeah. in, uh, but in PA, the PIAA, it's, you start the 10, which I think is, completely stupid we lost the game because of that right yeah and they're like well how come you can't score from 10 yard i'm like hello like it's not actually easy to score from the 10 but from the 25 i felt like if they were defenses more but again so i hated the rule for the longest time and i actually didn't like it in college for the longest time but as you get older and you look at how stupid the nfl's overtime rule is like we play 15 minute quarters all of a sudden we go to 10 <laughs> I, I remember when that first happened, and I I forget where I was. I think I was on vacation or something. It was like seeing the NCAA tournament. I remember like it popped up on my iPhone for like they were changed. I'm like, what is this? What, yeah. Who who came up with this genius idea? Let's go to ten minutes. So great. Let's embrace more ties. Like I, I I just don't understand. Like I get the 
I get the tie in the NFL, but please play a 15-minute overtime. And really, I kind of like the old rule. If you kick a field goal and win, you kick a field goal and win. It's just the way it is. But, but I do like how, like, the first touchdown wins the game. But I don't know. The whole concept of sudden death overtime, the original sudden death overtime, always made sense to me. Jeff, I feel like the theme of what we've been talking about for the last 10 minutes is just, is just make the no-fun league more fun. It, you know, remember <laughs> when we used to call it all the time, the no-fun Like yeah. even, with the TV deal, even with the TV deals coming up, I feel like it's going to be the no-fun TV deal. Just change something. Like, yep. You know, you know, maybe, I agree. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do, but it, it's like ESPN. Like, you guys really can't give ESPN a Super Bowl. I, I'm not sticking up for my rivals here, but I'm like – if they're paying all this money, you can't give them a the Super Bowl. Like, Thursday mm-hmm. Night Football might be on Amazon Prime. Are you kidding me? Well, it's even I like the Amazon Sunday Prime. ticket stuff, man. It's 2021, and Sunday ticket is only available, like, to one cable provider? I mean, like, this... <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're just... The NFL, there's I just so many, feel like we're behind on a lot of things. There's so, Sunday ticket came out in 94 when Fox got the... The yeah. NFL like we can't put it on ESPN plus we can't put it on or just Paramount make it available plus. to everybody like the NBA sells league pass they just mm. directly from the NBA mm. everybody should get to have every all access considering how popular you know gambling is now in fantasy football the fact that not everybody has access to every NFL game unless they illegally stream it is ludicrous to me in 2021 here's one for you a crazy idea in 2021 yeah. how about let's put every game on television that would like, be a neat concept, game, Jeff. Like, like, we all can watch it. Like, why can't, you know, CBS and Fox have the Sunday afternoon package, right? Yeah. Can't FS1, all these all these channels, like, we own air them? Like, right. I, I know it hurts ratings, but it can be on the CBS, like, in your local market. But I I, I don't know. It's, it, Lou, I'm a NASCAR fan. I still yeah. have... I still have to listen to fans on Facebook complain. The NASCAR deal is so stupid because it's racist world. FS1 and NBCSM. Like, you mean to tell me you guys don't have that? Yeah. In 2021? <laughs> like, come on. And, and honestly, the future of the NFL is going to be streaming anyway. So Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's That's where everybody – I mean, I don't use cable at all. I, I just got a new apartment, and I'm – streaming 100% everything. So, yeah, Jeff, I think the theme of this last 15 minutes is just the NFL's got to catch up on some things. Overtime rules, jersey changes, the Eagles do too, and, uh, you know, their streaming service with Sunday Ticket as well. Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports joining me. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Kerr CBS. Jeff, let's make sure it doesn't go like six, seven months next time before I have you back on the show, man, because this is always a good time. Hey, Lou, you're always welcome to have me on, my friend. I, I enjoy coming on. It's a fun podcast, and we have a fun time. I, I mean, honestly, we always talk about, like, the, the 2000, 2010. We can't help it, man. We, anyway. we like, we're nostalgic football fans. That's what we are. <laughs> we really are. We actually respect our, our team's history. Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports joining me on Lockdown Eagles. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Luke.